Withers Talks, Family and Family Office, a podcast series that discusses various topics relating to issues associated with managing, protecting, and enhancing multi-generational family wealth. I'm Ivan Sachs, the Global Head of Withers Family Office Group, and joining me today is Lou Mazzullo, a consulting partner based in our Rancho Santa Fe office. Lou's principal areas of practice are taxation, estate, and business succession planning, and employee benefits, and he has decades of experience in advising on those subjects, particularly family business succession. Today's podcast, in fact, will focus on the interesting subject of sibling rivalry and types of family disputes that can often create obstacles to ongoing success of family businesses across the generations. Before we begin, please note that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal advice. Lou, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Lou, uh, it's a truism in our practice that about a third or less of family businesses succeed from one generation to the next. And by the time you get out to the third generation of a family business, the numbers become shockingly small for success, maybe less than 15%. What are some of the main dynamics that tend to create the scourge of failure of family businesses in future generations? I think the most prevalent reason that family businesses fail to survive one or more generations are conflicts among brothers and sisters and cousins. Rather than having to pay estate taxes or maybe a change in the economy or whatever. What are some of the factors that tend to cause this sibling or cousin rivalries that you see? Well, where you have not all of the brothers and sisters active in the business or not all the cousins active in the business, then the ones that aren't active in the business are going to have a different viewpoint than the ones that are. Unequal financial conditions with respect to family members. Those, some family members may want more distributions where those who are working in the business may not. Also, if you're a member of a minority branch of the, business, of the family, you may not have any right to participate in the business. So those are just some of the things. Well, what are some of the specific policies or approaches that advisors can take and family members can make themselves aware of ahead of time to try to head off this problem? Well, I think, first of all, you may want to come up with a mission statement where the family sits down and decides where they want the family to go and where they want the business to go. We'll find out whether or not some family members have a different viewpoint as with respect to where the business should go. Secondly, having specific policies dealing with things such as compensation, standards for family employment, distributions of profits to equity owners, retirement of family members, redemptions of equity interest, transferability of equity interest, and other matters. Communication is going to be important, that you have regular family meetings and you have some guidelines as to how those meetings are going to be conducted so that the rules should make sure that there's going to be uh, a civilized atmosphere that's conducive to a meaningful exchange of ideas. Transparency is going to be very important with respect to avoiding family problems among brothers and sisters. What we see often as advisors and planners for successful families across generations is that an independent factor becomes the fiduciary structures that families create and the fiduciary roles that they impose on themselves, whether as executors, trustees, the CEO, or managerial appointments that some 
family members will have as against others, and how they can conduct that role, both respecting the obligations there, but also their own self-interest in relation to that. Do you see that? Well, yes. In most family businesses, you're going to have situations where maybe the president of the company is also the trustee of trust that may have been created by the grandparents. And so what the case law has said is that if the testator or the grantor of a trust specifically provides that the trustee or executor is also going to be the same person that's the president of the company or a director in the company, that that testator or grantor has approved or created the conflict of interest. And what the courts say in that situation, that the fiduciary, who's also, again, maybe the president of the company, will not be liable for his conduct unless he or she has acted dishonestly or in bad faith or has abused his or her discretion. Do you have an example of that would illustrate that for our listeners? The George Hallis family dispute involved George Hallis Sr., who was the creator of uh, Chicago Bears, and his son, who was active in the business, and his son named his father as the executor of his estate. The son died before the father did, so the father was the executor of the estate, but also president of the company, and after the son died, Senior decided to reorganize the company for estate planning purposes and put restrictions on the ability to transfer the stock. And the other family members decided that they wanted to sue George Hallis Sr. because by putting these restrictions on the stock, it made their stock worth less. And the court said, no, he was doing this in the best interest of the family, and therefore he's not liable for violating his fiduciary duty. But a key factor in that case, if I'm understanding you correctly, is they anticipated this issue and put specific language in the trust or executorial authority to act in conditions of conflict of interest and to have that conflict weighed. That's correct. There was extensive language in the document, and I think that's the way that you should go. Although there are cases where there isn't that language, but the court still says, well, the testator said the president is also going to be the executor. But again, I think the prudent way to deal with this is to make sure you have exploratory language in the document itself. That doesn't mean that the person can be dishonest. He can act in the best interest of the business without being charged with having a conflict of interest. Well, that's very interesting, Lou. So I'm taking notes. Clarity of mission coming from the senior generation and communication, always important. Adopting fiduciary and employment policies policies that anticipate differences of interest in regard to sale of a business or liquidation rights, understanding and avoiding these fiduciary conflicts and planning for them in legal documents. There's a whole lot of things to consider and obviously a lot more that we could talk about today, but I really appreciate you joining us and giving us this broad outline. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure discussing this topic in our Family and Family Office podcast series with you. To all our listeners out there, thanks for joining. And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to us at withersworldwide.com backslash family.